Well, hello, and thank you for listening to Happy Times and Places, a positively inclined Doctor Who episode commentary podcast in which I, Toby Haydock, have asked a friend to choose a Doctor Who story and secretly nominate their favourite things about it. I then watch the episodes, commentate along, and try to guess what those favourite things are. Um, hello. Uh, I'm Richard James, uh, actor, writer, uh, podcast co-host of the Jerry Anderson podcast, and uh, I have a story for Toby. I've chosen The Visitation from season 19, starring uh, Peter Davison as the Doctor. My Doctor, as it happens. Uh, I remember watching this uh, when it went out uh, in 1980-something. It was the fourth story of uh, Peter Davison's tenure, and by then, oh well, I think he was really hitting his stride. It's the most English of stories, really, for the most English of doctors, which may or may not be a good thing, depending on what you like, but for me at the time, and since, uh, it was a very good thing. Well, hello, everybody. Welcome to Happy Times and Places, and it's an occasion to visit season 19, again, which I've been to quite a lot, but uh, for various uh, reasons I won't go into, apart from to say I've got people promising stuff from other seasons, but I don't think I've got anything recorded from season 20, apart from one, but that's from somebody who's already featured as a guest. I do have one from season 21 recorded. I've got a couple, one coming up and one that I'm waiting for because I'm uh, trying not to have Daleks too close to each other. Blah, 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 blah. blah. Anyway, so I seem a bit heavy with season 19 because I've just done Four to Doomsday. I've done Black Orchid done time flight but uh so earthshock and castrovalva will doubtless uh, done kinder earthshock and castrovalva will doubtless take a while but richard james who i've never met but i got in touch with because i loved his book on space precinct which is not a series i knew brilliantly but i'd been very i've been fascinated by it and uh, really interested in its genesis and uh, you know i'd watched it at the time and you could see you know certain things were going on like certain actors were dubbed and certain actors uh, dropped out and and I'd, I'd known an actor who'd worked on it who dropped out fairly quickly a very good actor so i knew there were sort of rumblings and things and it had a, a a difficulty but i also knew that the people who'd worked on it you know were were very loyal to it and loved it and richard's book sort of um you know is is a very honest uh, and interesting and insightful appraisal of the series that I sort of bought on a whim and, and devoured. And so then I reached out to him. I don't like that phrase. It sounds like uh, it sounds like a sort of business proposition. I, I sent him a message on social media and uh, he was lovely. And I think there's a couple of times, Bernard, Bernard is tipping the, the camera now. <laughs> so what are you doing, Bernard? Um, so, so Bernard has just tipped the camera over. <laughs> and it's facing the other way. Oh, Bernard, Bernard, boo. Uh, but that's all right, I forgive him because Bernard is a little bit, um, you're a bit angsty tonight, aren't you, Bernard? Because if you hear noises outside, it is not because this is a prologue where I send Bernard to investigate and he disappears, then I, and then I have to prepare for battle and uh, you don't see me after the first five minutes. Um, uh, uh, it's because uh, uh, it's actually the genuine November the 5th as I record this. So there is banging going on outside no i'm not living in france uh, no there is uh, there are fireworks going on outside so you may hear the odd bang and that might provoke the odd woof from bernard but uh i need to use all occasions that i can to record these podcasts so uh 
So uh, and and Shirley is uh, out doing something. So um, I, I, she, you know she doesn't know I know I watch Doctor Who. She's never heard of Doctor Who. She's she, yeah. So I have to watch it when she's not here. Um, so Richard, yeah, Richard. Uh, I've never actually met. Uh, we nearly met up a couple of times. Uh, and he was a very early. We we I have done his Jerry Anderson podcast, but um, yeah, he's a nice guy. Very prolific. Very skilled. Uh, uh, yeah, and and multi talented, um, and you know one of us. But he's you know he's that that great thing is he's he's a he's um, you know sympathetic to sci fi, even a fan and enjoyer of of sci fi, but has also been in it. So good for him. Uh, and I was thrilled when he said he'd do this. And like everybody who's done this early doors, you know, he sent something very very quickly, and it's probably languished on a hard drive now for. A year or so. So I'm glad to have finally got to the visitation, even if it's on a night where its opening moments are going to be replicated perhaps through the whole podcast. Depends how much I get done this evening. And uh, yeah, Bernard's slightly discombobulated, so I might have to occasionally comfort him. But I think that's okay. I think this is, you know, this isn't a professionally recorded in a studio podcast. This is someone at home with with their dog watching Doctor Who. I just happen to have got quite a nice microphone, so hopefully it sounds reasonable. But uh, it will be warts and barks and bangs, if not the flashes and all. So we are going to kick off with episode one of The Visitation, a story that I very much enjoyed at the time in a season I felt was quite beige and science-y. This, to me, felt a bit like, uh, you know, proper doctor who but i was an, i was you know i was i was looking for faults when i was a, a a kid so and i was you know i was not a great fan of the davison doctor when he arrived unlike richard because i tom baker was my doctor and uh, you know uh, a, a, a doc, there's nothing more a doctor who fan likes to do is is celebrate the fact that it changes its format and then get to get really vexed when that format changes however now i love davison he's one of my favorite doctors uh, but let us see what i make of episode one of uh what would you say a more traditional doctor who story a pseudo-scientific from the pen of one eric saywood he'll be back later uh, and i'm gonna press play in three two one well, I'm not going to let you into too many behind-the-scenes secrets, but that was not the slickest to begin. I think because, you know, this is set in the past uh, and it's the future meets the past, um, uh, modern technology is not all it's cracked up to be. So I started pressing play and it was too loud. So I thought, well, I don't want to keep telling the, the lady whose speaker name I can't say out loud or she'll interact with yours. So I thought, well, I'll start again. That's fine. It won't take more than a second because I said the lady's name and volume three. And I thought, no, that because people have said when you do that, mine, mine is affected. So then I started again. And in that process, uh, the lady stopped working and it just connected to a tinny speaker by my head and sounded awful. Um, so then I was like, OK, so then connected and then started and Britbox started playing this at really slow speeds. So I've had about four or five goes at starting this episode. So just to say, you know, whilst we're looking at the past modern technology is not all it's cracked up to be there's a firework display on screen a nice simple uh that's actually very nicely done those lights in the sky um i love this prologue uh so we have a sort of five five minute bit which do you know what i because i quite often missed the very beginning of doctor who because either it clashed with something else or i was late back from 
school because I had to stay behind at school and could only come back when mum picked me up. So I'm not sure I either saw, although I do remember, I think, seeing this bit in repeat because I remember Ralph getting killed. But anyway, I certainly missed, missed a lot of beginnings. Uh, and, and this opening scene's brilliance only uh, sort of showed itself to me when I, when I started collecting videos much later. Um, uh, and it really is brilliant. There, there will have to be something else. It's a very nice shot. Uh, there will have to be something else uh, to, to, that's really good to topple this prologue. In fact, these are the only, aside from Richard Mace, these are the only interesting characters, <laughs> that, are, that are human characters in the whole thing. We'll talk about Scythe Man later. And what a cast. Anthony Calf, who's recently returned to Doctor Who after I Who's rounded him. Uh, and he said he'd actually auditioned for Doctor Who a few times and not got it. He didn't feel particularly simpatico with Doctor Who, but he's had a fantastic career. And this, I think, is said is his first or certainly an early telly. Uh, I knew him from uh, Beaugest, directed by Douglas Camfield when I was younger. But he's the, the senior officer in New Tricks. He's currently in uh, SF SAS Rogue Heroes, which is which is airing as I watch this. I love that. I'll have my posset now. This is medicinal. I love all of that. There's, you know, this is actually quite Saywardy, and they all sort of argue with each other and it's quite testy but actually that here because we don't know them very well that is quite good shorthand for these people know each other um it's only when sort of people who live on spaceships who do it for for the whole thing that you go oh god eric eric saywood you do like sort of people not getting on very well but at least ralph uh and uh, uh anthony Carr are nice to each other and ralph is john baker who had been a time lord in the opening moments of colony in space but he goes back to he was going to be in the quatermass experiment uh, and then his part was turned into a non-speaking part, so he ended up not being in it. But he is uh, one of the pub customers in Rudolf Cartier's 1984, a year later. A veteran actor uh, who, who carried on acting and, 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 until he died. Um, uh, you know, relatively recent. It's probably 20 years ago now, but, but he, was still, he was still going. Uh, I love all of this um, because they've been sort of quite quite aggravated with each other but now they're you know now they're preparing to defend their house and i love that i love a laser gun uh and muskets in the same scene i love that and savident's brilliant this is john savident fred elliott as uh as uh, as squire john and i worked with savident on on curry years and years ago and he hated everybody but because i and he was like that's all we need a vicar with a tesco's bag and i'd heard horror stories of uh, of him he hates extras uh, <laughs> uh and and i think could be quite tricky but i sort of went oh i was watching you in yes minister the other day and i saw you in the professionals there and and then sort of gave him a list of his credits and so then we sat and talked for hours he was like a lot of actors don't know the old stuff but you're you obviously know your stuff and so i actually had a great time with him after you know having to accept him being a bit sort of dismissive um, but Anthony Carf actually said that uh, told me that that Savident was great with him. It was Anthony's first telly, and Savident was very welcoming. I'd, so maybe he wasn't happy on Corey or whatever. I remember he did say to me, "They asked me to be this twenty years ago. I told them to off." Uh, uh, and the, the inference being that then now, when they asked him, he didn't have much choice, kind of thing. But he made a he made a a, a legend of Fred Elliott. He's a fantastic actor. Um, but as yeah, as I say, I have I have heard stories. From, from people that worked with him back in the day. Uh, nobody I know, uh, yeah, nobody, yeah. Uh, 
but 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 yeah, a few a few and a, and a few people who sort of passed through said, well, he wasn't very nice. Uh, but as I say, I've I've heard uh, from from Anthony Carf that the opposite. So we're all a mixed bag, aren't we? And as I say, I got a bit of both. He was a bit he was a bit funny with me, and then I managed to charm him is the wrong word but i threw his cv at him and he was quite pleased about that that we were talking about so and i talked about other actors that he'd worked with and you know threw kubrick into the mix and all of that and he was you know so he was great so he was great with me but um i i could tell it could have gone another way but anyway i'll have me posset now he he, he makes a great character there i you know i love the fact that john savadant's been in doctor because he's in blake seven twice isn't he in two very different characters he sort of i mean it's, it charts the sort of course of blake seven he plays uh he's, he's the judge guy in, in in trial isn't he so it's quite a straight sort of serious performance and then he's in orbit where he's uh where which is where his performance resides <laughs> but uh he's he's great he's great as squire john valerie pfeiffer who's uh the the uh the the, the female character in those scenes uh, is one of those who um, who's sort of not done an awful lot else. So it's interesting, isn't it? You see her uh, and you see Anthony Calf, and one goes on to have a, an absolutely blistering career, and one doesn't do much at all. That's uh, that's the nature of the business. This is a nice shot of uh, T- Nissa in Tegan's mirror, and I actually quite like. And it's interesting because I will occasionally criticise the current or the more modern iteration of doctor who for being too tied to earth you know i think i think my ideal is that you know you're taken away from earth and you can't just go keep visiting and sort of choose to stay with the tardis it's it's you're, you're taken away uh and then you have to sort of wrench yourself away or carry on traveling it's up to you and and there is you know you have to accept that uh, you have quite a horrifying life if you're traveling through time and space seeing wonderful things but the the payoff is that if you if you escape from the horrors you go back to you know queues traffic jams bills and all of that business bernard's gone a bit mad he's drying himself on a chair and growling as he does it um but i actually quite like this in this time period because it it makes it seem a bit more more real that you know tegan's going to a job and uh, and this you know this is this is quite believable especially in a series where people just sort of sort bugger off uh, that she's going i'm preparing to leave and i'm going to say i miss you especially as actually we don't see it through it turns out she's not going back to Heathrow but they have that sort of goodbye which suggests a real closeness between those two two young women which I like I buy that I think that's lovely um they've certainly let the grass grow since I was last there I like very much um that's a that's a nice line and doesn't she doesn't Tegan say the line um uh a, a broken clock tells the right time twice a day which which is which is on the picture of Peter Davison, the colour picture in the middle of uh, Doctor Who: A Celebration, and so I was I was surprised to find it was a quote not from him but from but from her, uh, and I have used it once. Um, uh, I, I, in fact, I that a broken clock keeps better time than you. At least it's accurate twice a day. Yeah, which is a which is a which is a lovely line, um, and. I was for many, many years, I was the warm up man for University Challenge and always had a nice chat with with Paxman, Jeremy Paxman, who's a nice man. And um, and and I think I'd lost a bit of weight and he, he hadn't seen me since the previous block. 
and uh, I was wearing a suit and he said oh Toby you're looking good or whatever and I, and I said well even the freaking clock tells the right time twice a day and it made him laugh I thought I just got a laugh from Paxman from a line from Doctor Who um, this remastering of these film sequences is absolutely glorious and there is something nice about seeing the TARDIS in the English countryside I rather like that I think it's a sight I would rather take for granted at the time because you know it's not long since Castrovelva is it um, there's a nice picture in the Doctor Who 20th anniversary special of these four in these uh, in these outfits so I'm, I'm quite nostalgic about them although I do think they they do look a bit of an odd an odd bunch, and, and I and I don't mean odd as in winningly incongruous, like perhaps Tom Baker and his scarf. Uh, but that smoke going, uh, I do love Nissa's costume, though. I love Nissa's costume. I love that crushed red, that burgundy velvet. It's beautiful. Um, yeah. Well, we I've talked before about the uh, about the uh, you know let's give everyone a costume policy, which I don't think helps Doctor Who. But all this stuff is lovely. The uh, the guys with the uh, well, the face coverings, I mean, talking talking post-Covid uh, and, and people wearing masks and covering up from plague. Um, well, that's uh, that's that's resonant of, of recent years. But actually, you know, these these sort of simple villager costumes, but the just the simple act of having their faces covered, uh, you know, that suggests plague, that suggests uncleanliness, uh, that suggests, you know, very basic protection from something that, as we know, is, is rampant and terrible. Uh, and I like the way that the, 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 the fifth doctor talks about, you know, potassium nitrate and sulfur, prim de gamma, um, the, the, the way that he sort of explains the science. It trips off him quite nicely. Um, and here we have, gosh, he's so young looking, isn't he? And oh, we have a fight. And he's not bad. He's quite a handy, quite a handy fighter too. Uh, whereas Adric is t that, that bit where Adric's, that they're supposed to push the guy over Adric. They, I'm afraid the three of them make a complete foul up of now the villager uh it's not great i wish they'd given him a name because the villager is played by richard hampton who's an excellent actor he was one of the uh um first people at the national youth theater so he's a contemporary of david western and julian glover and people like they i think he went to allen school even um but he's been an actor for a long time and has done loads and loads and loads um, and in fact, I mentioned to David Weston, and David said, oh, I'll give you his, uh, I'll give you his phone number now. And I was like, oh, no, no I won't take it now. Uh, I'll, I'll call you. And then, of course, I chickened out and shouldn't have done. And so anyway, uh, I, should, I should really try to get an interview with Richard Hampton because uh, he's, uh, he's a really good actor who's done loads uh, and could probably trip over more convincingly than <laughs> Matthew Waterhouse, who, uh, who gives Susan's uh, trip in... Uh, the five doctors are run for its money uh, for worst trip in Doctor Who. <laughs> and here we have uh, the marvellous Richard Mace, uh, played by Michael Robbins, who, because, I mean, I think Richard Hampton is very good as a villager, but he's hardly a character. Um, uh, and, and, yeah, the, now that uh, Squire John and his family are toast, um, the, the wonderfully costumed... Uh, Richard Mace, uh, played by Michael Robbins, who whose whose performance seems to divide people. I think he's fabulous, um, and I think maybe because I've listened to the commentary for this, and 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 Matthew Waterhouse 
mentions that you know Robbins thought this was terrible, and I think Matthew's actually very funny when he says, uh, "Fortune has made me itinerant" is a great line, and Sayward clearly has great fun writing this character. Um, it's odd that he's you know he's he's he 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 can write very very rich characters, but everybody else. Um, apart from the Terraleptal leader now in, in this is very, very bland. Um, um, but but Michael Robbins, you know, did, didn't enjoy being it or thought this was terrible. And uh, Matthew's very funny on the commentary when he says, when, when Michael Robbins says, this is the worst thing I've ever been in. And Matthew's like, but you were in on the buses, which I think is like, <laughs> it's a pretty good riposte. Davison's great at all of that, you know, getting the pistol out and using it properly, put, just putting it on his arm so he looks like he knows what he's doing with an antique gun. He's he's such an actor of such great sort of observation and he fills the spaces. Um, Richard May's such a service. And I, I like this idea of a... I mean, I'm drawn to characters who are... I mean, he is, isn't he? He's an, he's an, I was once a noted thespian. Uh, he's, he's, he's an ex-actor, so of course I love all of that's right up my street. Um, uh, and he's great. Um, and I, Yes, but I do quite like this, doesn't he? He says, oh, I, I've, uh, I, I've been aching for some company. And they sit down to have a chat and nobody says anything. <laughs> I think that's quite witty. Um, and he's good at and he's good at being funny, but also judging the, uh, the you know the the, the 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 you know the, the the seriousness of the situation. And I think setting a Doctor Who story in the time of plague, which is one of the the earliest things that you studied at school. I mean, I remember doing the Roses of Eam and, uh, and 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 yes, the Black Death and the Pudding Lane, and all of that was very much seeped into what we were taught as uh, as kids. So. Uh, I think as a setting for a Doctor Who story, it's a it's a fabulous idea, um, uh, and I, I I always love it when Doctor Who um, juxtaposes the futuristic with the historical. It it it, it, uh, it allows for those great um, you know the, the visual dissonance the uh, of, of 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 you know um, you know you know androids versus muskets, uh, but also. Um, you know the clash of expectation of time. You know because because to the people here, something alien in this time would would would, would give rise to superstition, and uh, you know it would seem magic. What 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 seems scientific to us seems magical to them. That's a great you know that's that's a great leveler as well. That uh, you know that that anything that, that stuff that we know is uh, is is technology they think is magic, and you know that 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 helps. You know that could be quite quite witty and interesting about things that are unexplained you know just depend on you know where where you are at um and I, and I think all of that stuff is deployed very very nicely peter moffat gets a lot of stick as a director but he's very efficient i think this is this is perfectly well shot and there's some nice shadowy work going on here in the in the barn uh and i remember as a kid, you see, we'd had Castrovalva, which had two sort of establishing episodes that were set in the TARDIS. Uh, and then it, then it was more what I call Bidmead's Doctor Who and the maths, which I have to say was not a great draw for me as a kid. I love that stuff now, um, particularly some of the poetic dialogue in, in Castrovalva, I think is lovely. But at the time, I was aching for a monster. Um, and then Fort Doomsday comes along and it's got it's got a monster, but he... he 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 sort of sits there yelling at people and i and and it was that was doctor who and the dance demonstrations for to doomsday even that had a really exciting title and then kinder was sort of 
Doctor Who and the sort of philosophical um you know, I didn't really get Kinder as a kid either. I have to be honest, I love Kinder now. Go back and listen to my happy times and places on it. It's uh uh Oh, and James Charlton, who is credited in this, uh is 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 the guy in City of Death who not credited who draws Romana's face as a clock. Uh that's so that's where you might have seen him before in a Doctor Who but not read his name on the credits. Bernard shh, shh, shh. So he's not uh, he's, he's he's not credited on his other Doctor Who's, but he gets credit here because he occasionally gets to walk on and all of that. Um, a friend of mine, Ben Jolly, who's very good at finding actors, found uh, James Charlton and I think got him to sign something and had a chat, but uh, didn't give didn't didn't say he told him any amazing stories. But I'm, I admire Ben for Ben's very good at doorstepping people. I'd, it was at some was it at a bridge club or something? It was if, anyway, he tracked him down to somewhere. Uh, people must be terribly surprised. <laughs> Hello, are you in, are you, you're the guy from Doctor Who. How, how on earth do you know this? Um, a man of a very sour disposition. Uh, it's all that's all really nice. Um, Bernard, you're of quite a sour disposition tonight, aren't you? Because of the. It's all right, Bernard. It's just the fireworks, and it's not terrorleptils, um, who aren't in this episode, are they? No. Or do they get a bit of hand hand action? No, I don't think they do, because it's that weird cliffhanger this week, isn't it? Um, well, not this week, because it's two episodes a week. So anyway, so yes, by the when we got to the the the, the, the visitation, it seemed to me I remember at the time t- to be a slightly more sort of what I expected from Doctor Who. You know, it's a bit like the Time Warrior, isn't it? A sort of lone alien in a historical setting. Uh, so it felt quite sort of comfortably Doctor Who to me. Even though, of course, I then gave it minus points for the destruction of the sonic screwdriver, which was enough to make me feel very badly disposed to a story because anything from the past of Doctor Who was good. Anything that seemed to denigrate or desecrate the past um, by this presumptuous new regime, uh, because, you know... uh, you know, I I love Doctor Who, but I know it's not as good as it used to be. To uh, steal a phrase, I was very much that kind of fan, um, which I mean just amuses me now because I you know there are there are uh, there there are no eras I particularly like more or less than others really, and I certainly don't dislike the Davison era like I sort of resisted it at the time. Um, but I've, uh, you know, I think I've talked about that before, so I don't want to re- re- repeat myself. Uh, but I only say it for full disclosure. But I also then need to, to, to say that s- since then I've, I've grown up, and uh, you know, I love all, all of that. I mean, it's, it's, it's actually interesting how, how sort of pedestrian uh, some of this is, and the, and, the, and the pacing of this is sort of quite heartily. And I remember being quite surprised because the story doesn't really get going in this episode. Um, but when I when I revisited it, the the sort of shutting of the windows and the and, and the little clues scattered about, I think are rather nicely done. You know, there's a sort of sense of creeping mystery that um, I mean, it is a sign that there's perhaps not not enough story for the for the but for the whole four episodes. But I don't really mind that. We've had plenty of establishing episodes, Ark in Space One, you know, and. Uh, uh, Web Planet One, where, where 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 you know they're sort of they're sort of mood pieces uh, to, to to sort of immerse you in the world, uh, and just those you know we've got power packs. I mean, it's almost a shame I think maybe that we saw the android, although the android is very beautiful 
in that uh, opening scene because because well i suppose we do see the laser beam as well but but i yeah i'm not sure we should have seen the android as early on but i suppose we need something that's that's good that's going to keep us watching and and you know f for all this you know historical bit to say no 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 there are scary aliens in this um but i do i do qu actually quite like the slow build up and i think the the, the the setting in, in the plague is very evocative and very interesting and it means there's a there's a threat there already before we know of the alien threat you know the very environment is hostile so it is quite heartenly actually this slow build up these scattered mysteries uh, and and the land in which we are in a land of fear indeed uh, being being one that is quite hostile um, and then we have this really weird cliffhanger and i remember my friend saying something about um so maybe a die no i definitely i'm sure i remember him to my friend saying oh they there's this mysterious wall so had i not did i not see this first time round? no i must have done anyway it doesn't matter you you can't tell me and i i'm too but i remember my friend Maybe I missed the first episode. Maybe I missed the first episode. I knew, normally remember the episodes I missed. Uh, Carnival of Monsters 4 and Five Faces of Doctor Who, Full Circle 2. Um, but this is, yeah, this is this is a really curious uh, uh, cliffhanger. But actually, you know, on, on paper and in memory, you sort of go, it's actually not that interesting. They just, they just can't find the Doctor. But I think the music builds it up nicely. The fact that we've seen the window closed. The fact that we've got that, that, what we know is the android's gloved hand locking them in uh i i think it sort of piles on the tension i actually quite like the pacing of that and the atmospherics of that uh very much um and it looks gorgeous all that film work looks gorgeous yeah i really enjoyed that i thought that was terrific um yeah I'm, i'd have hoped maybe john savident got slightly better billing than that but there we go um you know, maybe a single caption for his one, for his one episode. Um, but Anthony Calf, lovely, lovely man. Uh, I, I wrote to him because he was in a play at the West End, but I didn't think he'd he'd say yes because it's Anthony Calf. He's done loads, and he rang me up and said, "Yeah, yeah, yeah come along." And then as I was on the way to the theatre, uh, I saw Strew and Roger, who's the voice of the face of Bo, and I remember tweeting, uh, "I'm on my way to interview." you know charles from the visitation i've just seen the face of a odile dixmilio i think it's a great name uh so oh, ken starkey i don't know if anyone's is there an interviewed ken starkey phil newman will have done if anybody has um so there we go that is episode one of uh the visitation will it will it uh and so i have to choose well i mean my uh my uh my favorite thing from um episode one of the visitation is without i mean look i love richard mace so he's gonna have to get mentioned somewhere i'm guessing i think the setting is 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 a really good idea to go how can we tell a really interesting doctor who story what, what's a period of history that would lend itself to the doctor treatment and, and as we will discover, I think it's it, it infuses itself into the story throughout very, very well indeed. Um, is, you know, the setting of the plague. 
very nice and it brings rats with it well we'll get to them i'm sure um that's very efficiently done as well i like the sort of hartnell-esque that it's a that it's an exercise in mood and build up and scattering little clues and the environment itself being part of the threat but for me oh and i love the design of the android i think the android looks great i i like that idea of going well just because it's a deadly killer android doesn't mean it can't be sexy you know jeweled nice to look at that's a there's there's some thoughtfulness gone into that to to allow us to get a striking visual but to make some sort of sense of why it is like that rather than everyone in space has funky shiny things um no but it has to be it's an unusual thing and when doctor who does it well it does it very very well it's where you're introduced to a small number of characters they're all pretty well drawn they were all very nicely acted i think particularly uh I mean, it's Anthony Calf does a good job, um, but but Sav- and, and, and Savident, you know, shows why it's quite good to, to upcast where you can. And so you've got a, a young actor who's going on to great things, is very who's good, and then you've got you know a, a noted and recognisable character actor who looks like you know he might end up being you know the person that you know meets the doctor you know maybe they've escaped the house meets the doctor and they would just go doctor my uh, sir i will reward you handsomely my house has been invaded by mechanical men or whatever uh but we actually never see them again but all of that stuff i'll have me pass it now this is medicinal uh i i know this causes us problems later that uh, eric saywood likes everybody he writes to argue with each other but actually it, it works very nicely in that little time capsule that serves the story not at all, except to say there's something deadly and alien in the house uh, and the, 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 and why the house is abandoned. But it gives us an emotional pull to that because, well, it, it's not just that it's empty, it's that it's empty of the people that used to live in it and we've met them and we, we got to know them in, a, in a, or a brief amount of time. And it also gave us, a, I love a Doctor Who laser beam. I love an eight, late 70s, early 80s Doctor Who laser beam. And these are laser beams in an old country house. Laser beams versus muskets. And I like the fact that they blow holes in the walls and all that. But seeing a zap from a laser beam, yes, yes, please. And there'll be a few more of those too. Um, so for all of those reasons, the acting, the writing, the characters, and just its very existence and what it is there for in the story, it has to be. And I will sh- surely go off Richard James, who I've never met, but I've always enjoyed uh, <laughs> ch- ch- chatting to online. And oh, we have spoken in person, but but again, through the medium of Zoom. Um, and he's written a marvellous book and he's a great podcaster. But you can go off a man and I might very well if he doesn't choose the thing that surely everyone would choose from part one of the visitation, which is the... Um, prologue I was going to say the epilogue then but it's not the epilogue so uh, I will see uh, what Richard uh, says is his favourite thing from episode I've paused it somewhere where the heck is it here it is Richard James uh, for those who are listening to the podcast, which co- will come out oh years before the video, Richard uh, has Peter Davison's hat hanging on his door and a cardboard cutout of Captain Scarlet uh, flanking him over the shoulder. But uh, they are not choosing their favourite. Peter Davison's hat and Captain Scarlet are not choosing their favourite thing. From episode one, part one, part one of The Visitation, 
Richard James is, what's he going to choose? Is it the prologue? My little thing from the first episode is uh, I love the fact that the Doctor arrives at Heathrow Airport, but 300 years too early. Uh, I like it because here we have a more fallible Doctor than we're used to seeing, um, especially after Tom Baker's sort of uh, bombastic portrayal of the part with this sort of Hyperion detachment, I think was the phrase that was coined. But here we have a more mm, human Doctor, shall we say, who got things wrong and made mistakes. Um, and I rather liked that. Uh Oh, interesting. He didn't choose the prologue, but I haven't gone off him because actually, uh, this is why one gets different people's perspectives. Um, I, 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 I had enjoyed the fact that uh, and and the joke, the grass is a lot greener, blah de blah, and the fact that we'd had the false goodbye from Tegan, which seems so real. Uh, you know, she's actually saying goodbye, and I'll miss you, Tanissa, and that's lovely. Oh, it's not going to actually happen. It's just a, a a nice moment between the two, between the two women. Um, and so I'd enjoyed that moment, but I hadn't thought of it as, oh, yes, the Doctor is a bit vulnerable. Um, I mean, I love the fact that the TARDIS never gets you where it means to, unless, of course, you really need it to. But I love the fact the TARDIS doesn't work properly because I, I always identify with that more than I do with, you know, the, the, the best goddamn crew who, who have the best goddamn ship in the fleet. Well, well, that's no good to me. I could never be part of that. Um, I wouldn't, I've never, I'm not the best at anything. Ah, but to, to, to be in something that doesn't work properly and yet by hook or by crook, we still manage to do our best and, and, and you can still save the day, even if the thing you're in doesn't work and you don't know how to work it. If you approach life with a bit of, if you know, if you try and be intelligent, if you try and, you know, grasp with life's absurdities and, and retain your sense of humor and your sense of justice, you know, even if all the tools at your disposal are a bit knackered and you're a bit wayward yourself, you can still do it. So I, I love that fallibility that Richard talks about, but I've never really thought of Davison particularly in that way as opposed to a, as a contrast to Baker. But now that Richard's put like that, that I do, especially, yes, that detachment, that loftiness, that, that sort of venerable aspect that uh, Tom Baker has, and especially when it's got the sort of mournful countenance that he sports in, in season 18, to have this sort of fresh-faced younger Doctor who, okay, makes mistakes um, and, and definitely is, you know, yes, he is vulnerable um, and can look wounded, can't he? Uh, that is a good observation, and I think that's a good... That's a good thing to choose, but it's not what I chose. Uh, I chose what I thought was the obvious thing to choose, but it's, of course, nothing's obvious until you see it, uh, because now that Richard's chosen that, that seems that seems a very obvious observation that I didn't make throughout the whole thing. So I'm very happy about that because uh, uh, it proves that two heads um, are better than one. Uh, so a so so I think I came up with something interesting, and so did Richard. Uh, and uh, so a plague on neither of our houses. Until next time, thanks for listening slash watching. Well, thanks very much for listening to Happy Times and Places, which is presented by me, Toby Hayden. My special guest for this edition is Richard James, who can be found on Twitter at Richard N. James and do buy his space precinct book. It's fabulous. I'm grateful to Richard and to the patrons who make these podcasts possible. And they include Mark Trevor Owen, Russell Parker, John Rumfit, Gavin Rymill, Tom Sininsky, Matt Sawyer, 
Samuel. No surname for Samuel. Edward Salt, Keith Say, Frank Shales, Christopher Sharp, John Sheehan, Paul Shields, Brian Sinclair, Trevor Smith, Richard Smith, Andrew Snedden, David Spencer, David Spofforth, Chris Stokes, Adam Stone, Mark Swan, Paul Taylor Greaves, Dr. Gary Thomas, Jason Thompson, Sidney Truett, Fan Man Sang, John Turner, Lee Wakerley, and Gary Wales. The music is by Dave Gates and the artwork by Dylan Patterson. So yes, sorry if you can hear, I don't think you heard many uh, fireworks out there during the commentary, but they're banging away now. So patrons will be hearing this the week after. So I'm almost <laughs> I'm almost live for patrons, which when you're listening to this in the real world, you'll realise, hang on, it's nowhere near November the 5th. It's about six months later. That's because if you are a patron, not only do you get your name mentioned, like what you heard on the credits, you are also this far ahead as november the 5th ahead from where you are now uh listening if you're not a patron and patrons can sign up if you want to be one at patreon.com forward slash toby Haydock. you get advanced releases hot off the press you get bonus material and you get your very own podcast called far too much information now look not everyone can afford the patreon model uh, which starts from as little as three pounds a month uh, and you can get a 10% discount on even that and indeed any tier uh, if you sign up for a year in advance. But look, bills are going sky high. The trains don't work. If things are on strike. There's even uh, excrement being flushed into the sea. The world's going to hell in a handcart. So, uh, you know, not paying for a podcast is, is probably scant recompense and probably quite deserved, um, you know, deserved loosening of the, uh, the financial constraints. However, if for some reason you have a good month or you particularly like an addition or um, it's just how you prefer to do it, you can do what's called buying me a coffee at Kofi, which is K-O-F-I, Kofi.com forward slash Toby Haydock. There are no exclusives. There are no advanced releases or anything like that. But it is a way of funding a creative, which is what I purport to be. And it also justifies my decision to keep these ad free. I think it's, uh, you know, the, the, the way that we consume entertainment is, uh, is, is ever changing. But I think this thing whereby we put the stuff out there on trust, you know, um, and it takes work and it takes equipment and it takes time. And, you know, try and make these as close to broadcast possible as is possible. Like broadcast quality as is possible. Now, you see, if that had been broadcast, we'd have cut that in post. I say we, the producer would have. But there's no producer. There's just me. Uh, so that's what you get. And this is the post-credits bit. doesn't count. But look, yeah, um, the way that we do things now is we chuck things out there. And we have to be a little bit cap in hand, which is why I have the Patreon, which is why I have the Kofi. And it's a, it's a way of you know funding creatives. And if you like what they do, you can contribute and uh, you know justify their... Um, their industry if you like or industriousness not their, their i mean the industry will w w the industry will prosper with or without me in it but my industriousness uh does need sponsorship i guess uh and uh justifies keeping these things ad free so that's patreon and kofi but what costs you nothing if you just want to be supportive by spreading the word please tell cyberspace tell facebook tell Twitter, and most importantly, tell iTunes, Spotify, and all the places, all the repositories of podcasts by giving these a five-star rating and lots of lovely lines of review. 
that really, really does help. Oh dear, poor old Bernard's getting the collie wobbles because it's, uh, yeah, it's the the the, the Terraleptil spaceship is landing outside. Uh, so I will keep this brief. I don't like to date these really because it's not a current affairs podcast. You know, a lot of there's a lot of excellent Doctor Who podcasts which are like what's the episode that's just been on and what's in the Doctor Who news at the moment. I like to think that you can sort of dip into these wherever they have a timeless quality. If you want to fancy listening to somebody banging on about the visitation, doesn't matter if I recorded this on November the fifth or january the 59th um but there we go um it always reminds me of the 5th of november remember remember the actor ron pember who was still very much alive the last 5th of november but has since passed away but i did manage to get him an obit in the guardian even though his death was announced a little bit late um and he'd never done a doctor who was doing well he did slip back ron pember but he never did a tv doctor who but he never actually starred in anything really apart from uh, he was a sort of semi-regular in Secret Army, but he got his name, got his name front of credits, and uh, I was able to, I was able to persuade the Guardian to uh, to uh, feature Ron Pembo because he was a recognisable character actor who who wasn't in the Visitation. So why I'm oh I'm talking about him because it's the fifth of November, or as it's known in theatrical Twitter circles, not theatrical, just just silly people who like character actors Twitter circles. Remember, remember the actor Ron Pember. So yes, even though he wasn't in the visitation, he did have to wrangle Eric Saywood dialogue in Slipback, where he played uh, Seedle, one of the two, to Seedle and Snatch. Well, you know, so Eric Saywood in, uh, in the, the two of the coppers, weren't they? In uh, in uh, in um, Slipback, uh, the the then v very rare slice of Doctor Audio Doctor Who audio drama. Been a few been a few additions to the audio slash doctor who interface since anyway there we go the firework i can see fireworks through the trees a uh, beautiful sight uh horrible sounds that scare the dog and that probably let's face it being let off by miscreants because i don't think there's an organized uh, bonfire down here in uh, south manchester i used to stand on the roof when i lived in crouch end we used to stand off on the roof and watch the firework display at Alexandra Palace and it used to light up the sky and of course also Alexandra Palace home of Quatermass and early BBC TV but um, they stopped doing that after a while because they couldn't afford to do it anymore it's a shame because we got a really good view from our roof but now that I don't live there anymore I suppose it's one less thing I'm missing out on <laughs> uh, because it's not actually happening anyway I hope there are fireworks in your life but of the you know nice as in pops and jolliness and light rather than noise frightened pets and a secret desire to kill all young people so yeah i hope they're metaphorical fireworks uh, in your life giving it a bit of snap crackle and pop